Smart community friends and welcome to the first official episode of the Churchill Fellowship Smart Mobility Podcast and welcome to the Smart Composite. These episodes will be a bit different to the regular scheduled episodes, obviously because I'm on the road, so hopefully the sound is okay. But also because I've been thinking a lot lately about what to add to the smart mobility conversation. So it's not just the same as what we're already talking about. And I'm really excited to be visiting these places and, you know, different projects and people working on smart mobility um, things. But I don't just want to talk, okay, yep, there's autonomous vehicles, there's electric vehicles, even flying taxis. We're already talking about those types of things and the technology and what it could possibly do for us. And I'm not so interested in the technology itself. Because I know that there's lots of smart people thinking about just that. So I want to report on more than just what's happening in the different places. But actually starting to think about why those things are happening and what choices people are making and what choices we, you know, in the future we want people to be making. I think what's going to be most interesting about this trip is not necessarily the places themselves, although they will be really cool but the common threads and the differences between them. So in these episodes, I'm going to pick a theme and then discuss a little bit about why I picked that theme and the theme itself, then go into where I've been and what I've been doing. So the theme for this episode will be complexity because mobility is complex, transport is complex, because people are complex. Cities and places and regions are complex. And the planet itself is complex. And it's never going to be all good or all bad. So people are complex. And tech, because it's designed by people, is never good or never bad. It is what it is. And it will enable different things. And I think that there's a gap between, particularly you look at San Francisco where you've got Silicon Valley. So, you know, there's tech just churning out all the time if it's going to happen anywhere it's going to happen there right but then you've got the transport planners they're doing a great job of trying to um, make sure that the network is accessible for everybody and equitable and you know that the, the people are at the center of the planning and people can get around and so there's this kind of gap between the technology and that pumping out and then what it actually means for our cities because taking even an autonomous vehicle and plonking it in the city isn't going to solve any problems. It's that complexity in the urban environment. So that's where the the real kind of magic happens, I think. And you look at, um, say, you know, Uber and Lyft, they started here in San Francisco. And the trips that are taken and the congestion it's causing, but then all the jobs it's been able to create And, you know, there's lots of controversy, obviously, with um, different work practices as well. 
Um, and so it's a really complex problem and issue and one that won't be solved in an instant and one that won't be solved with just one person. So I think that's why we the smart community conversation is a really important one because we're bringing so many different people to the table and that's the only way you solve you know these complex wicked problems. And do we think that mobility can really change our communities for the better, hopefully? They could change them for the worse potentially. And how do we even compare you know what is good and what is better? Um, is it access to jobs? Is it a prosperous economy? Is it a wellness index? There's lots of different things. How do you compare the apples with the apples or the Googles with the Googles? And we need to trial and test these things, but we need to make sure it's ethical and equal and things that will really make a, a real difference. And there's a couple of ways, you know, again, the complexity of it all is do you do that by forcing regulation or do you do that by letting the innovation happen or is it a combination of both with industry and governments and do we start with the people that have a lot at stake that could really transform their lives if they had mobility choices or do we start with the middle class the people that are doing okay and help them to be better give them more access to things in the hope that they will make better choices about the environment, the economy, and the community, that they can do better things, make this make society better as a whole, make more opportunities for people that are finding it tough, sharing the knowledge and sharing the wealth somehow. So these are a few questions that I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, and then what the conversation is that we that we want to be having, and then where it will lead to, and I think it needs to be something big because it's such a complex problem, but also has such repercussions if we don't get it right. Repercussions on people not being able to get places, um, the economy if people can't get to where they need to access, safety if we're crashing and killing people, the environment, the emissions. I think we need to do something really big, really bold. And I think it does come from a bit of regulation and a bit of innovation and, and choices because we talked about in the episode I did on the Smart Community podcast um, for Mobility March, how do we get people to change their modes of transport from their private, expensive, nice, luxury, fossil fuel powered car? How do you get wealthy people to step out of their cars onto some kind of shared mobility? Because in Silicon Valley, it's a lot of wealthy people living in the suburbs and they like it and it's very expensive there's a housing shortage there's a lots of jobs but there's not enough houses and the houses that are there are so expensive so unless you have unless you have one of those really high paying jobs which there are a lot in silicon valley you can't actually afford to live there so then you're commuting every day at peak hour which i find really bizarre that we're in the day and age where these tech companies are, you know, we see them as the most innovative in the world, people are still getting in their cars and commuting to a place, commuting to Google, commuting to Apple, commuting to Facebook headquarters. I find it really interesting. And I haven't done too much research into their flexible work practices, etc. so forgive me, but we went and saw these big places. And I just thought, wow, this is so fascinating that people – one, that we're on a tour to look at these places. So it's like the Hollywood mansion tour for tech nerds. 
but then two people are still drawn to a place even though they're working on this technology where they don't necessarily have to be anywhere in particular. And why? Why do people go to a place? Is it because they rose in a time where that's the way it was always done and although they revolutionised some areas, they actually stayed put in these other areas because it was not the area of focus, so it was simple or it was easy? Or is it because, you know, the company's secrets, they want people to not take them outside this the, the, the walls of, um, say, Google? Or is it because collaboration happens when you're in person and the way that they operate? Is that all about seeing each other physically? Have we not done enough for telecommuting or remote working that people can't work from where they live? It got me thinking about what is actually going to change that, something big that will change that. Because, you know, they're the ones that are, are creating these autonomous vehicles, um, you know, even flying taxis, those type of things. That's where it's all going to happen. It's going to pop out. You know, that's where Uber and Lyft started. But it's not going to solve any problems necessarily right there because people are wealthy enough and happy enough to drive their cars to and fro. It's easy to do. There's lots of, you know, lots of road available. So things won't change there necessarily because it's the most convenient option at the moment. And I was talking to a transport planner and she said, you know, once we have mobility as a service, why will anyone take the bus? Because it will give you all the options that are much more convenient than the bus. And so I thought about that as well. And I think the bus, the humble bus, does it belong in our public transport network anymore? And I think it does. But will it look different? Will it be a more on-demand service, a smaller service potentially? Because we don't want to be just creating these autonomous electric vehicles and just increase congestion. However, thinking about this as well, if our cars are not polluters, if they are sustainable in the full life cycle of the vehicle, so that's something else we need to think about, the batteries, the production, the emissions that goes into actually building the cars themselves, is it worth swapping out my car if I wasn't going to upgrade it already? For, for an electric vehicle because emissions will you know, be zero, but you know the output of the vehicle will be zero, but the actual emissions into building the car will not be zero. And what's the calculations there and the comparisons? But anyway, if our vehicles are not polluted, does it matter so much about congestion? Is this just a, or as Will from Arab put it, a universal urban truth that we accept a bit of congestion because we live in the cities and it's a dense place? I think there are lots of things we can we can do to help solve um, the congestion, but it'll it'll it's going to be a, a complex challenge. So moving on from complexity, well, that's the theme for this episode. I want to talk about what I've actually been doing. So I've been I flew out from Toowoomba to Sydney and then to San Francisco, and I actually I got a, a lift, which is a competitor to Uber. Started off here, I got a lift to San Mateo. Uh, and then I stayed in Foster City. Now, it was supposed to be on Friday. It got pushed to Saturday, but that's okay. Um, on Friday, I just walked around. Literally, it's like walking around the suburbs. Um, it's a really, it's a fascinating place because it's not that interesting. Um, you know, we think of Silicon Valley. We think high tech, you know, like things flying around and that, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't really know what I thought before I got there, to be honest. But it's literally the suburbs, um, you know, people with big houses 
lots of land, but not even that big. It's not mansions. It's like just nice houses. Um, you know, we drove past Steve Jobs' house. His wife still lives there. Um, in these places, and, you know, they are nice places to be and to live and lots of people driving around. So I walked around and, yeah, it just made the day of, of checking out um, Foster City. And then on the Saturday I visited Silicon Valley, so the place, not the tech, uh, which was interesting. Um, like I said before, that we still we, we want to visit these places you know, the, the Facebook uh, like sign, which I didn't actually know existed, but anyway, uh, you know, the Google, you ride the Google cycles around. It, it's it's really interesting that even with all this technology, people still want to visit the place where it's happening, which I find um, a little bit bizarre, but also, it, you know, I did it, so I, I actually thought it would be more about technology, to be honest, but that's okay. It was It was... It was interesting because it wasn't that interesting. The place itself isn't super interesting. And I find that it's good to know, I suppose, that these things can happen. And why is it in Silicon Valley? And so I asked that question and um, talking to the, the guy that was doing the tour, um, you know, they've got, they had venture capital early on, intellectual capital with Stanford University. Um, so the venture capital, like an investment from the government. And then there's this perpetual cycle of um, people wanting to be in Silicon Valley because it's Silicon Valley. Therefore, Silicon Valley remains Silicon Valley. And obviously, Stanford University is, a, is actually a very beautiful place. And that's, you know, it's got prestige and, you know, people want to go there. And, and so then, and then the culture is the startup culture. Like it's not, you go to university here, you get out, you get a, a, a government job. And that's the norm. The actual norm is the startup culture and innovation. Um, yeah, it's a it's a complex place, I suppose. And now that there's lots of wealth there as well, it just continues this cycle. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that the place itself probably isn't super important. It's those ingredients around it. So can we recreate this other places? Potentially. Do we actually want to recreate exactly what this is in other places? No, I don't think so. We want people. We want places to have their own, you know, culture and and character and and thoughts and and innovation. But yes, I think innovation comes from these ingredients of venture capital and le- intellectual capital, and then the 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 culture of it's okay to start up and fail and then start up again. And how do you nurture that? So I think the government has a a large role to play, but um, industry and the startup communities and you know places co-working spaces and and those type of things has a has a really large role to play and then bringing in mobility like don't just dump these places in the middle of nowhere where you can just the only place you can you can only get there if you can drive so you have to be of some kind of reasonable wealth to even get there you need to make them accessible and how do you do that and is it a place does it have to be a place I'm torn on that. Does it have to? You have to go to a place, or can we do some of this, or all of it, or whatever? However it works, can we do it remotely? Can we do it online? So one of the other places I visited, um, not during this tour, but um, during my travels, was um, Udacity, which is a self-driving car nano degree teaching school. So you can do a 
course in learning how to code an autonomous vehicle and then you can watch it. Um, so it's all online. So you do it from wherever you live. Um, you code the vehicle. It has to run around the track and then look at the traffic light and say, yes, that's red or green. Um, yeah, it was really cool. So I got to go on um, Carla, the autonomous vehicle, and we did a little cruise around the car park there. Um, and, you know, there's lots of autonomous vehicles cruising around uh, in that area. Um, so Waymo um, has about a 1,000. Um, don't quote me on that, but that's what I've heard. And, yeah, so Udacity was really interesting because it was like they're actually doing – they're making the education accessible. They're making autonomous vehicles a reality or a, or a they're thinking about the jobs, the actual jobs that will be available. So upskilling people now for those jobs when they um, become available. So that, that's really interesting. And they have things in flying drones, uh, flying taxis and stuff as well. Um, but talking to Vienna, I did a podcast with her, which will be released on the regular podcast, um, the Smart Community podcast. She said they're, probably a bit a ways off like in silicon valley autonomous vehicles are you know, normal to see them driving around um but flying taxi on the other hand yeah there's lots of issues that we that need to be overcome if we want that to be a reality uh and i'm still still umming and ahhing over whether i like it or not you know obviously some benefits you know you can you know it's, it's complex right um what's the energy take to to actually lift these things off is it worth it even if they're electric um is it are we going to just create like this sprawling city which is harder to manage and control but then i think of like the regional areas if they could lift off and come into the city and then you know so it's complex but i think there's some really big big challenges that need to be overcome and i don't think it's and it, that's where the regulation part of it needs to happen because I think it's not stifling innovation, but it's making sure that we're not just creating more problems and issues with energy and um, amenity and privacy before these things become a real reality. And if we don't get involved, then it'll just happen um, to us rather than with us. So how do we shape that? Um, yes, yeah, so that was really interesting. And I also uh, met with Jonathan Reichenthal, who was the former CIO of the city of Palo Alto. So he was on the Smart Community podcast as well. We just had a really great conversation with him. We just had breakfast and just had really good chats. And it was really, it was really great to speak with him. He gave me some really good ideas. And, uh, you know, he just told me that, you know, to Zoe, you need to think big. And so I think that's why. That's what needs to happen in this space because we can't keep going on the way we've we're going on. There's lots of things happening in the world right now, um, very complex things, um, some really horrible things, and then some, you know, like hope. Um, and we need to do something. It's urgent now. We need to really move and do something about the emissions, the climate change, and because it won't be the planet that self combusts. It'll be us, like species we won't exist anymore other species won't exist anymore and i think transport has a really big role to play in that and i think that's where smart mobility needs to go it needs to be treated as an urgent issue okay so what else have i got to tell you um so 
there's lots of transport options in San Francisco, which you would have seen from my little video that I did. Uh, I tried to take a lot of them, most of them. Um, you know, got the cable car, got the um, they have the street cars. Um, they I got the the regional train and then the Cal train, two different types of you know kind of heavy rail. Uh, it's kind of light rail, electric bus thingies. Um, there's lifts, there's um, there's scooters. Uh, there's lots of things cruising around. Different scooters. Um, in Mexico, I just saw. I've only been. I just arrived in Mexico when I'm recording this, so I haven't actually been out, ventured out because I arrived last night. So yeah, I did play tourist for a day, and it was really like such complex uh, transport system. It's really, but you know, I could use it. I could get around. That was fine. And yeah, planning must be really difficult. Or really challenging, I should say, because and I guess it'd be fascinating and interesting because definitely, you know, one plus one won't equal two because uh, there's so many variables and things at play, and and the tourists just add this whole new layer of you know different peak times and um, people doing strange things in in streets and not really caring or knowing what they're doing. So yeah, it was been really fun to watch and I've um I've quite enjoyed uh, my time in San Francisco or San Fran as nobody calls it, um, I found out. And then uh yeah, going down into the regional type areas as well. So that's where the Silicon Valley really is, um, San Mateo and San Clara and uh those those places down there. So yeah, it's been um really great trip so far. And the other thing that was mentioned a couple of times when I was speaking to people is that there's going to be a com- few companies um, going public, so IPO in Silicon Valley this year. So that's just going to create these instant millionaires and millennials mostly. And how do we actually get those people out of their cars when they've, you know, got so much money and and you know comfort now? What what would we actually do? And the car culture. I mean, Australia is similar. The car culture of America. Um, so there's lots of different levers and things that we can pull and better options and finding out why people actually drive. So I, I've hung out with the transport planning team at Arif and it's been really great conversations with them about, uh, you know, San Francisco, but transport planning in general and then getting involved in this technology and what it can do. And, um, yeah, it's been really fascinating conversations with them. So thanks to Arup for hosting me there. And I have, what I've found is I think I'll have many more questions after I leave and then I'll be able to reach out and um, get some more answers. So I think that's it for me for now. I've just been thinking a lot and I'll try and articulate that in these episodes. Um, If you have any questions for me, just uh, let me know. You can hit me up on the socials or email zoe at mysmart.community been great to speak with you and i look forward to speaking to you all again soon now i'm going to venture out into mexico city so talk soon team have the best day as always i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as i enjoyed making it thanks so much for listening to this exclusive churchill fellowship smart mobility podcast And thanks so much for your support and being part of SmartCom Posse. 
please let your family and friends know and encourage them to come over and join our posse, posible.com and search My Smart Community. Thank you.